Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's episode we're talking about your Detroit Pistons. By the time you listen to this, they are hopefully 23 and 59, the season is over, they have locked in the third best lottery odds, and then you can listen to Ben Gulker and I grade every single Detroit Piston that played more than five games this season in peace. Five games was an arbitrary cutoff, apologies to Carson Edwards and Derek Walton Jr., Ben and I also talk about the teams we're going to be paying special attention to this postseason. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing, because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this upcoming offseason. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson, pleased, as always, to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. Ben, who's your guy at the Masters? I saw Tiger shot 78. It's like that's that kind of is unfortunate, but uh, it's still a good story. Who are who are you uh, watching uh, today's the final round? Uh, I'm a, I'm just a big fan of watching the the last round of the Masters. Pretty much, no matter who's in the in the running. I was certainly following Tiger's return. It is an interesting story, as you mentioned. Looks like he's still got something left. Making the cut is obviously significant. Looks like Scheffler's to lose, but hey, I'm going to just uh, crash on the couch, maybe fall asleep during the front nine, <laughs> and just go from there. I, I do enjoy that every time the Masters rolls around, there's like two dudes I've never heard of. It's like, oh, this guy's top five. And it's like, oh, wow, cool, okay. And Scheffler, <laughs> Scheffler's definitely one. I've never heard of this man's name before this weekend, but hey, yeah, good golf for is, Golf is that way. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, speaking of dudes' names we uh, haven't heard that much of, we're going to talk about every single player for the Pistons who played at least five games this year. We're going to grade every single Piston on this week's podcast. Um, unfortunately, the five-game threshold cutoff that I arbitrarily inserted leaves off such luminaries as Derek Walton. Uh, sorry, Derek Walton. I actually uh, enjoyed talking about him, watching him play basketball. Micah Potter. Remember Micah Potter, Ben? Who? <laughs> uh, Shek Diallo. Yeah, our, yeah, sounds yeah. familiar. Friend of the podcast, uh, Davidas Servitas. Servitas. Uh, new new guy, Carson Edwards. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> Trayvon Palmer? Question mark. Man, did we did these guys really all play for the Pistons this season? Wow. Yep. Jay Sean Page. Remember remember that two week period where everybody in the league had COVID? Oh yeah. Yeah, we got we got a lot of names on this list from uh from that point in time, and uh, you know all these guys I think are Motor City Cruise players or uh, you know other G League aficionados. I think yeah they signed Potter to like a ten day and stuff like that. But yeah, it's just like we I'm saving us like seven minutes of being like who, uh, <laughs> by by making the cutoff at least five games, and we've still got uh, a couple of guys that's gonna be like oh yeah he was here cool, uh, but I wanted to start I wanted to go by number of games played because i think that was uh easy and uh not like biased <laughs> um and i wanted and that means we are going to actually i want to start with the criteria as well i don't know vin you have all your notes in the doc you're ready to go i don't know what what criteria are you using because so I'm, I'm stuck I was just extremely subjective this time last. We've done this a handful of times and agreed about criteria beforehand. This time, I'm just shooting from the hip. I'm just going to say what grade I gave a guy and then just explain the rationale. But the rationale, just fair warning, is not going to be consistent from guy to guy. So it's just kind of my it's just kind of my gut and what what I enjoyed and didn't enjoy about the season. Yeah, it feels it feels a little unfair sometimes to grade everyone by the same rubric. Because, like, you know, our expectations and uh, what we got from Katie Cunningham is, like, much different than, like, what we got from, like, Saban Lee, right? And so if you if you grade those guys by the same, uh, like, set of standards, like, Cade gets an A and Saban gets an F. But, like, it, that doesn't feel fair. 
in a weird way. So I, th- I think shooting from the hip, I think vibes are a much better way to go about this uh, for this year, at least um, in one of these years when the Pistons actually have something to play for in April, uh, we will probably have to be a little bit more stringent <laughs> about our standards. But uh, for now, I, I like the vibes uh, idea for sure. Um, so if we're starting with ga- games played, let's start with the Pistons Iron Man. Sadiq Bay, who's played, uh, we are recording before the Philly game. Philly game's at 7. It's still, uh, you know, 11 a.m. now. We're, we're not going to do a, a 9 p.m. podcast for the final game of the season. Sorry, everybody. So Sadiq has played 81 games this year. I assume, presume he will play tonight in Philadelphia. Uh, ben, what's your letter grade for Sadiq Bay this season? Yeah, Sadiq, I've got him as an A. And for me, this is um, really about how he persevered through the growing pains that we saw early this season as he stretched his game a little bit, mm-hmm. worked outside of his 3 and D comfort zone. You know, there were some shooting lows early in the season, and those were hard to watch. I'm sure they were really hard for him to experience. But, you know, I think the fact that he pushed through that and what he did everywhere else outside of his shooting was a really significant step for him. You know, I don't, I don't know where his ceiling is yet. The difference between what we saw between rookie and sophomore season was, I think, pretty significant. Um, but, uh, yeah, to his credit, he just kept pushing and pushing and working and working. And I think what we saw in the second half of the season, Warren Sine, the 51 point game, the three point single season record, like all that stuff, he, he was certainly a bright spot and a lot of fun to watch. I, I agree. I'm also going to give Sadiq an A. I think he firmly established himself as part of the core part of this team moving forward. Um, like that. It, that wasn't really in doubt his rookie season, but you could always kind of imagine him um, if he if he just settled in as like a three and D guy, you could imagine him being replaceable. But you're right in that the the off the bounce additions he made to his game this offseason and even through persevering through the struggles to be able to see the progress in him throughout the entirety of the year. It's like you, you now can imagine like what uh, similar struggles both what kind of place that puts him in in like, you know, two, three years down the line and you want to see that. And so you, you know, he's now part of the core. I think if you, if you bump yourself up into that tier, you earn yourself that a grade. Um, you know, the struggles real or the struggle was real early on the season though. He's still shooting under 35% from three on the year, partially because, uh, he, you know, struggled out of the gate. Um, and also, like, there is something to being the only guy on the team to play all 82 games. Um, it's like, I, I want to give him credit for that. I think the well, was, the last game he missed was, like, in high school or something. So uh, more more power to Sadiq for that. That's awesome. Uh, next guy on the list with 70 games played is Isaiah Stewart. Ben, weird year for Isaiah Stewart. What, what uh, letter grade do you have for him? Yeah, I agree. It's a little bit of a strange season. I've got him at a B. I think his solid team defense and obviously his rebounding make him a useful uh, his rebounding make him a useful rotation player and I think he'd be a rotation player for plenty of good teams in the league not just you know the, the struggling bottom feeders as the Pistons have been you know I'm a big beef stew fan I love the way he plays I'm pulling for him um, I love the way he embraces his role um, but look I can't give him an A personally because I feel like his offense was a little bit stunted this season. Mm-hmm. It just didn't take a step forward um, in terms of his shooting, in terms of his ability to finish in, inside it. You know, I don't think really saw a significant step. He did stuff off the ball that was nice. He was a good interior screener. And I, again, I mentioned his team defense, which I think has been surprisingly good, in my opinion, and better than I anticipated. So I've got him as a B. I'd love to give him an A, but uh, he just didn't quite get there for me due to the offense implementations this year. Yeah, I, I've got Isaiah Stewart as a B minus. Um, the 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 minus is because of the uh, lack of progression in, on from an offensive development standpoint. Um, I know we got we talked about how the coaching staff decided to simplify his role um, in terms of like you know in terms of shooting from the perimeter mostly. Um, it's like I'm I am fine with that decision, but. Far too often in this podcast, Ben, we talked about how tentative Isaiah Stewart looked to um, to even like shoot around the rim, and we we see the uh, the not the lack of chemistry, but like the the machinations like Cade Cunningham and Killian Hayes have to go through in order to give the ball to Isaiah Stewart in positions uh, 
where he can score around the basket easily. It's like that, that that's kind of frustrating. Um, it's kind of a limiting factor and I don't love it, but like conversely, they like last year, they played a lot of drop with Isaiah Stewart. He was a uh, surprisingly fabulous rim protector for a guy. His height um, makes up for it with the wingspan. Like this year, they played a lot of switch defense. He was the the linchpin of them being able to switch a lot on the perimeter. And as like the Pistons beat writers have noted multiple times on the season, it's like he just he shuts guys down on the perimeter. And so you um, you know coaching staffs need to be able to adjust for that. I think that ability to switch will keep him in the NBA for uh, as long as he's able to do it. Like you you will need to be able to have that guy in a playoff setting in order to um, you know play smaller. Um, and so I, you know, I think Isaiah Stewart is going to be part of this team, but I do think it's a position that could be upgraded on right in the, in the starting lineup. And so I think, I think it'd be minus is fair. It's fair. I'm, I feel that might be a little bit harsh. People, the people love beef stew. He gave us one of the flash bulb, flash bulb moments of the season with the uh, incident with LeBron. <laughs> Never forget that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I, uh, and I don't want people to think I'm hating on Beast too. But yeah, be, I think it'd be minus is fair. All right, Ben, next guy with 65 games played. And if you had told me he played 65 games, I would not have believed you because it feels like he's been out uh, a lot this season. And it's Killian Hayes. Uh, what grade do you have for Killian Hayes, Ben? Yeah, kind of a tale of two seasons for Killian, in my opinion, wrapped up into one. Um, I've got him as a C, which is a little harsh, but. You know, honestly, I think if you look at it as as two separate approaches uh, to the season, almost like two seasons folded into one, you've got the start of the season where he was the starter next to Cade, started shooting hot, and then that just fell apart, and and seemingly the rest of his offense kind of followed suit. But then he moved to the second unit where, look, he didn't prove that he's going to be an NBA rotation player yet, but he showed us... I think more consistent glimpses of what he's capable of after that move to the second unit. So I would say, you know, the body of the work as, as a whole for the entire season, a little bit disappointing specifically because his offense didn't take any big steps over his rookie season. But look, I like a lot of the non-scoring things he does and and some of those things he's doing at a really high level. Um, Unfortunately, the shooting and scoring numbers are are just so bad still um, that it's hard for him to be a net positive, I think on, on a lot of nights. So, yeah, I've got him as a C. I'm not giving up on him. I want to see another offseason of development. He's still super young, and he's got, you know, that frame and athleticism that you just can't coach, right? So you want to hope that sharpening the skills makes him a better player a season from now. Um, But, yeah, unfortunately, I've got him as a C. It was a bit of a disappointing season for me from Killian. Yeah, that's entirely fair. I have him at a C, and the way I was thinking about it was – I think he gets like a C minus D for the first part of the season. Um, it's like you, you mentioned the hot shooting that lasted like about a month, if I remember correctly. And then uh, he was fighting his way through the hand injury, but still it just looked like he, he wasn't able to put anything together. He, he was an incoherent offensive player for uh, the first part of the season. And then I, I was looking at the numbers since he's been moved to the bench just, uh, just this morning. Um, He's still shooting, I think he's shooting like 21% from three, even as he's been playing better, even as he's been attacking the rim uh, more often. You know, Jack Kelly wrote a great post about uh, Killian's rim pressure uh, over this last, uh, over the last like 15 games or so. Um, it's like that is like that is a sign of improvement. That is something you'd like to see. That's something that you uh, think Killian will... Uh, the word I keep using is sustainable. It's like, I think Killian will be able to continue to do that because of how long and uh, how strong his body is. But um, yeah, he's uh, shooting 21% from three um, and the, just the inability to be a competent offensive player next to Cade Cunningham is uh, like really punishing for, for him and the team. Um, like it, it, it will be really curious to see how, what strides he makes in the off season and what the Pistons do around that position uh, next season. Um, but yeah, I think it was like a, a C minus D plus for the first part of the season and like a C plus B minus for like this stretch since he started coming off the bench. Um, and so I think that averages out to a C and I'm fine with that. All right, Ben, next guy is Corey Joseph, Kojo. Uh, I can't give Kojo a D plus this time around. 
what, what's your grade for Corey Joseph? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a bit of a grudgeful, begrudging, whatever the right word is there. Uh, I got to give him a B. I mean, I don't love watching him play. Um, I think the first chunk of the season where he continued his sort of dribble happy, you know, I've got a dribble for 18 seconds of this possession is really, really hard to watch and sort of makes me feel like just awkward and uncomfortable even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But I think once Cade really started rolling, I feel like he did a good job of being, and once Kojo sort of moved into the starting lineup next to Cade, I think Kojo did a good job of just being the stabilizing presence who could be a release valve to handle the ball a little bit when needed. He shot 41% from three. And I think, look, the willingness to just sort of embrace playing off the ball and being just a, a really clear veteran glue guy who's showing these young guys, look, this isn't what I've been accustomed to my entire career, but I'm willing to do it for the sake of the team. Like he was actually a, a pretty effective player on balance, even if I don't think I'm ever going to love <laughs> watching him play. Like he, he was solid and and I'll give him a B for that. Yeah. I think, I was gonna give. I was gonna be mean and give him a B minus for uh, for all the things that came before. But no, I think a B is fine for Corey Joseph. He was. Uh, how do I? How do I? I'm gonna say this, and it's gonna sound mean, and I don't want it to. But he was an excellent set of training wheels for Kate Cunningham. Yeah, right. that's fair. Yeah, it's just another dude who can bring the ball up the floor, who can play make a little bit, who can convert the shots uh, that Kate Cunningham creates for him. Can isn't is willing to dribble the air out of the ball so Kate doesn't have to, but you, you kind of don't want that. But yeah, it's just a, a, just a great set of training wheels for a uh, young, talented rookie guard. And so, you know, great job, Kojo. Uh, I hope that uh, that player option doesn't get picked up, or I hope they figure out someplace to ship him this offseason so we can see more of, uh, of Cade and Killian and uh, maybe a free agent signing or two. But yeah, I, I will... Uh, I will not look back as uh, as meanly as I thought I would on the Kojo era uh, in Detroit. And all right, Ben. Next up is Cade Cunningham, the guy everybody's all been waiting for. We're gonna get. I I, uh, I feel like I should have just like let off with Cade, but uh, so how how high are you going for Cade's grade? Does he get an A? Does he get an A plus? A plus plus? It's like ninety nine point nine five. Like where where are we? Yeah. With Cade? Yeah, I mean, I've been hard on Cade, right? I think you know, he's he's the number one pick. I've been, I think, I think, in my opinion, proportionally critical. Like he's the number one pick. You can criticize him a little bit, right? Like, um, but I think here's here's where I'm at with him at the end of the season. If it weren't for what he did post All Star break, I think I would have knocked him down a little bit. But I think because of what we saw after the All Star break, to me, he feels like he really earned an A. Um, I won't be surprised last to see you give the plus plus or whatever, but um, look, I think for me, what was so impressive about what we saw post all-star break was what I think is a tangible in season improvement. And I think those are pretty rare, right? Like, especially for guys that young, but I, I think offensively we saw some very clear and tangible and concrete improvements right in the middle of the season, his scoring efficiency ticked up and up and up. If you look at the trend line, um, particularly impressive to me if you look at his shot attempts at the rim from month to month like he just you know I begged him drive drive penetrate get to the rim he he did that over the course of the season and we we saw some incredibly special individual performances in the triple doubles uh taking over games in the fourth quarter you know all of that kind of stuff and and look let's be honest there were plenty of games this season where the only reason to watch <laughs> was Cade Cunningham, right? What is, what is Cade going to do? How is he going to wow us? So yeah, I, you know, I'm still waffling a little bit on what his ceiling is. There were some conversations this week comparing him to Luka Doncic. And I, I feel like I want to pump the brakes there because I feel like Luka's individual offense is just a, st- a step above as a rookie. Mm-hmm. But look, I am absolutely looking forward to see what an off season of hard work can do for Cade Cunningham. Um, he's got the ability to create space, to create shots. People talk about him as a three-level scorer. I think that's true. Um, You know, look, if he can refine some of that three-point shooting over the course of just one offseason, I mean, wow, he he could be a very dominant offensive player um, just a season from now, right? Um, So, yeah, I'm as excited about Cade as I've been about any Piston since Grant Hill. 
I am really looking forward to a season of hard work, a season, hopefully an off season of health, right? Doesn't trip him up. He doesn't miss the off season like he did coming into his rookie season. So yeah, I'm thrilled about Cade Cunningham and I'm just so incredibly impressed. Say one more time, the in-season improvement he demonstrated is just so rare from a 20-year-old kid. Uh, And he delivered, and I think Pistons fans have hopefully, you know, a full decade to look forward to of Cade Cunningham leading this team to the playoffs. 17-5-5, almost four turnovers a game, which is is bad, and that's a concern, and that's something he needs to work on, obviously, this Um, offseason. As you... I'm going to give him the A plus, obviously, but you talked a lot about the in-season improvements he made. There is one area in which he had an in-season regression, or there's one area in when in in, there's one area in which I feel like he has gone down a little bit as we've gotten towards the end of the season, and that's the perimeter scoring. He's now shooting 31 and a half percent from three on the year, Um, and it feels like a lot of his shots have been short over the last like two weeks or so. Um, I don't, he hasn't hit the rookie wall. It's like, he's too talented to, to hit the rookie wall, but I feel as if that, that like, that's the one area of his game. I feel like hasn't been uh, up to par as the season has gone on. Um, I would like to see that improve, but I keep saying this, the, the like various, there are very small things he can do to improve. And like, once he improves those things, the level of production we will see from him will be kind of ridiculous for a second year player. Um, if he gets, if he, you know, gets to a normal NBA free throw rate, uh, he'll instantly, almost instantly become like a 20 point per game guy. If he shoots 35% instead of 31 and a half percent from three, now you're talking about like a 21 and a half, 22 and a half, 22 point per game guy in year two. It's like, that is the, when you get some better teammates and the assists go up like that, that is the trend line towards and all NBA type of player. And I'm thoroughly excited about what Kate Cunningham brings to this team um, in the not too distant future. It's just, uh, he was not a, he was not a perfect rookie, right? He was, he wasn't Tim Duncan, but, uh, I don't know what more you could have expected from a 20-year-old perimeter player uh, this season. Um, I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he, like he wasn't Michael Jordan. I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> I, I guess I'll have to be uh, satisfied with that. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like when you stack him up against other number one picks, you know he's he's not a LeBron James as a rookie, right? And mm-hmm. That that's fair to say, but LeBron James is, I mean, probably going to be the goat, the goat, right? Like so, yeah. so yeah. I think it's a matter of calibrating expectations and and all that kind of stuff. And I think once you do all that, like it took me a while to get there, Laz. I mean, I I, I was a skeptic for the first twenty thirty games, well, but and uh, he got better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's right. And I think there's a lot to be excited about, for sure. All right, but next guy is Hamadou Diallo. Yeah, Hami for me is a B plus. Um, and it's it's look, I, I was just really impressed with his professionalism this season. He fell out of the rotation early. Um wasn't sure if he was in the doghouse or what, but you know, when he got his chance, uh, he took it and never looked back, right? Uh, from an entertainment perspective, this really has a lot to do with why I'm rating him highly. I love the way he runs in transition. I love the way he attacks off the dribble. And he can turn into a highlight any second of the game. And so from an under- entertainment and fun perspective, like Hami was just a blast for me, right? His, his shooting is probably never going to be great. So his scoring efficiency is probably always going to be middling. But uh, he does exciting stuff. And, and he played like a true professional this season. And uh, for that reason, he gets a B plus for me. I'm going to give Hami the B. Um I, I referred to him many times as an agent of chaos for this team. This Pistons team occasionally needed some some chaos to happen. They needed someone to be able to force the issue, and Hami gladly did that on a multiple occasions. Um, it was it was kind of unfortunate that the injury kind of dampened the end of his season. I would have been really curious to see how he would have played these like last fifteen or so games when. Uh, they would they would have given a guy like Hami a lot of runway to to do some stuff um, and to uh, to build on like what he accomplished early in the year. Um, 
you're right in that uh, coming from where he started the year out of the rotation to where he ended the year is like a, a vital bench piece for this Pistons team uh, is a is a great uh, is a great story. I do wonder about his. I wonder about his future on this team, and not necessarily because of anything he's done wrong or uh, or anything like that. Just because uh, it's uh, a guy like Hami. He's twenty. He's twenty three, twenty four. Um, his career could go a lot of different ways. And so I just, I, I will always be uh, curious to see how uh, a guy like that careers works, works out. But yeah, he was, uh, it was a much needed uh, infusion of athleticism for this team. Uh, very chaotic, very entertaining. You never, when, whenever he was driving to the rim, you never quite knew what was going to come next. Uh, and that made up for uh, some of the, the perimeter shots. And so, yeah, I, I give Hami the B. I can't, uh, or the B minus. I can't, uh, I can't blame Hami. All right. Uh, next guy is Frank Jackson. And it's, I think it's very fitting that we talk about these two guys back to back, Ben. Yeah. I, you know, Frank had a bummer of a season for me. I'm, I'm a big fan of Frank Jackson. I really like what he did in his time a season ago. But look, this just wasn't the season I had hoped for. His shooting, just such a stark contrast. Last season, he's a 40% three-point shooter. This season, 31%. You know, I think you can attribute some of that to being in and out of the rotation and injuries and a slow start. And I get that. But at the same time, if you look at his first two seasons, he was right in that 31, 32% range from deep. And look, if that 40% from three a season ago is the outlier and not the norm for him, I think it the, the case for Frank Jackson gets a lot weaker. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he still can do some stuff off the dribble, which is fun. He is a bit of a spark plug off the bench. And I think lots of teams like those kind of guys. But uh, look, he's got to be better than 31%. He's got to be 36, 37, 38% or higher uh, to really justify a petition, uh, position in a team that's hopefully trying to push for a play-in. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a Frank fan. I'm pulling for him, but he didn't have a good season. And uh, I, I just can't give him anything higher than a C. Yeah, I was going to go, I was going to go C minus. Um, I, it, the the point you brought up about his career numbers and last year perhaps being the outlier you got remember last year a lot of the year was without fans um i, I do kind of wonder if that played a a role in his uh in like in the in the outlier ability to shoot the basketball um if he's not a 38 37% three point shooter so he doesn't really have a role on this team as um as a as a slasher finisher uh, guy, it's like how many Diallo does that job better um, and is more athletic, better defensively. Um, but uh, but Frank has shown the potential to shoot that that Hami like just hasn't over the course of his career, and so it does really feel like those guys are. You, you, it does really feel like you're going to have to choose one or the other uh, moving forward. And I you know that's a that's a coin flip for me. Um, even though we, I think we graded Hami a little bit higher than, than Frank, just because of uh, of expectations, like coming into the season, we 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 were hoping to see more from Frank this season, and we got what we uh, expected to see from Hami this season, pretty much. And so I think I think that's why you get the disparity in their grades. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll be I'll be curious to see where Frank Jackson is uh, next season. I believe that's a team option on his contract this year. Uh, you know, we're, we're gonna have to see. Uh, all right, Ben. The next guy on our list is a blast from the past. Oh, excuse me, a blast from the past. Trey Lyles. Trey Lyles played fifty-one games for the Pistons, which is which is crazy. Uh, how many? What uh, what letter grade would you give the uh, the ghost of Trey Lyles for this Pistons team? You know, Trey. I think right before he was traded, those maybe 10, 20 games. I would have to look at the box scores to be exactly certain how many they were. Look, he he played that small ball five position way better than I would have ever imagined him doing. And so for that reason, he gets a B minus from me. Um, he, he You know, he's a lot like Kojo in the sense that there's absolutely nothing about his game that is going to wow you. Mm-hmm. But he's just going to be a solid veteran pro and be steady and uh, somehow manage to do things that you wouldn't imagine him be capable. You wouldn't imagine that he'd be capable of, particularly that small ball five stuff that we saw from him. So I'm not going to talk about him too much because he's obviously not part of the team anymore. But uh, yeah, he, he won me over to an extent um, about halfway through the season when, when he just stepped in and filled in all sorts of roles we wouldn't have expected of him. 
Yeah, if you if you would have told me before the year that Trey Lyle shot thirty percent from three, I'd have been like D, like <laughs> get this guy off my team. But right. the the foul merchant that he uh, ended up becoming as a small ball five, the the uh, the slowest and somehow trickiest pump fake in the league, <laughs> uh, just continued to to devastate opponent game plans. Yeah, I, I mean. And when he was traded, I said this is like Trey Lyles gets the Delon Wright Memorial. Like, thank you for your service, right? Salute. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, I I appreciated what you brought to the court, even if um you weren't, you know, a, a, an All Star level player for the Detroit Pistons. Uh, so I, I'm gonna give Trey Lyles like a B minus. It's like, uh, it's like I I didn't miss him once he was gone, but uh, it, watching him while he was here was uh, way more enjoyable than I thought it was gonna be especially as uh, he didn't do the thing I thought he was going to do and be a, a perimeter shooter uh, for this for a bench lineup. All right, Ben, next guy, Rodney Magruder. Rodney Magruder is still here, by, by the way. Yeah, I can't figure out how to grade him too harshly. I mean, he, he's done his job. He's done his job well whenever his name has been called. He got traded. The, vo- the trade got voided. Yeah. Never heard or saw any hint of a complaint out of the man. Um, and look, to be honest, for his sake, I feel bad that that trade didn't work because I feel like, you know, he would have a chance to contribute to a much better team. If for no other reason than, look, he's a 40% shooter from deep. And I think guys who can do that, um, look, there's lots of playoff time. Who, lots of playoff teams who come playoff time would like to have that, you know, 12th guy end of the bench. If somebody gets hurt, you've got Rodney Magruder and he can shoot 40% even if he doesn't do anything well. So, you know, I'm going to give him a B plus because I just, I feel like, you know, he wasn't a sensational player but he did his job really well when his name and his number was called and he was just a consummate professional. So Ben, would you rather have Rodney Magruder or would you rather have like the 50th overall pick in this year's draft? Oh, I would rather have the 50th pick for sure. Yeah, exactly. And so that, that's why I'm going to give him like a C. Like I, I think he, he did his job. Um, he was a consummate professional. Um, you, you loved the, you loved the nice things that Dwayne Casey like said about him when they thought he was going to be traded. You loved the nice things Dwayne Casey said about him when it turned out he wasn't traded. He was coming <laughs> right back and he was like, he's a professional the whole time. It's like, I think that's very valuable to have in a locker room. And I think that, um, it's like, I, I really like that. That's the sort of thing that Troy Weaver seems to prioritize, uh, in roster construction. However, as like, it, it, I do, you know, occasionally wonder like, you know, Bull Bull didn't play another game this season. It was like, what if they had turned Rodney Magruder into the 50th overall pick? What if they had yeah. turned him into like another interesting young player? And so I do kind of, you know, you do have to weigh that against like what he was able to produce. Um, it's always, it was always really enjoyable to have those random games where he'd go like four or four from three in 12 minutes. You'd be like, oh, hey, like we, we got a good Rodney uh, game tonight. Uh, you know, just last game, he had a career high, like yeah. 27 points. And it's like, well, hey, it's a good Rodney night. But, uh, you know, not a long-term piece uh, for this team. Um, you know, opportunity cost of uh, being something else could have been more interesting. But hey, like you know, thank again, like thank you for your service, Rodney. <laughs> All right, Ben. Uh, next guy is Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant only played forty-seven games. He played fewer games than Roddy Magruder, which uh, I would not have believed that if you had told me at the start of the season. Uh, wh- where are you at with Jeremy Grant, Ben? Well, I'll start with the positive. To his credit, I think after the All Star break. Jeremy really seemed to embrace being the second banana to Cade and mm-hmm. sometimes even Sadiq, right? Like sometimes Sadiq just shone brighter than Jeremy. Um, but it, look, it's really hard for me to get past that, everything that came before that. Um, and then prior to, you know, the injury that he suffered for me, the, the constant isolations, what looked to me to be inconsistent effort, particularly defensively, and this awkward push and pull that he had with Cade over those, you know, first stretch of games that they played together, it, it was just extremely painful to watch for me. And honestly, I think it was really detrimental to outcomes. Now, in the long term, maybe losing a lot of those games is helpful because it helps us in the lottery. But um, it, it's hard for me to be too kind to Jeremy. He's the highest paid player on the team. Um, he did not perform particularly well, in my opinion. I think his late season performance probably pushes some of those shooting efficiency numbers up to a respectable rate. But look, I've got Jeremy at a C because to me, the way he played over the first 40 ish games of the season was just not good for the team. Um, It looked to me to be more about him than the team. And I not, not pleased with it. Didn't enjoy it. 
Um, and honestly, I, I hope he finds a better destination by the time next season starts. 19.2 points leads the team in scoring. Four rebounds. If you told me he was averaging four rebounds a game, I wouldn't have believed you. Uh, two and a half assists, two stocks a game, shooting 35.8% from three on the season. Um, I think it's fair to say that I'm going to give Jeremy a B. I think it's fair to say that Jeremy Grant um, came into the year thinking that he was going to be the best player on the team. Um, tried to play like the prototypical best player on the team plays, found that to not necessarily be the best way for him to play basketball, got hurt, uh, which is which is important. I think the the thumb injury is like definitely uh, well, I think he there's a possibility he would have like they would have had more chemistry between he and Kate earlier had he not like injured the thumb. Um, when he got injured, it's like, okay, well, now we're just going to give the ball to Cade and see what happens. And it's like, oh, Cade's really good. And it's like, okay, now he needs to adjust his game. And he did so uh, relatively quickly, like once he came back from the injury. It was only like it was only like five or six games before the Cade, Sadiq, Jeremy uh, triumvirate kind of worked out the hierarchy. Um, and so with the injury baked in, it's like I'm, I'm baking in that uh, I think that they would have figured that out a little bit quicker had Jeremy not gotten hurt and uh, and Cade continued to do like Cade stuff. Um, and it's like I think I think just I think he was a really good player. Um, he was inefficient. Uh, I hated the mids post ISOs just as much as everyone else. By the way, was, uh, looking at some Jabari Smith uh, film. Like Jabari Smith shoots better than Jeremy Grant, but like it's, it's a lot of the same shots. And I was like, I don't know how you feel about that. Um, but yeah, he was he was a very productive player for this Pistons team. Um, he still kind of discovering what kind of NBA player he was going to be in even in year uh, like year seven or eight. Um, you have to give him a. It's like this isn't a legacy grade, but just the the story of the progression of like where he started in his career and like where he ends up, where he's where he has where he is at, at as an NBA player now is just a, a testament to the type of uh, workmanship mentality that you love to have on your team. And ultimately, I hope the Pistons are able to reward him with uh, a spot on a playoff contender somewhere else this offseason. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Olenek, Ben, Kelly Olenek only played 40 games, missed, uh, missed a ton of the year with the MCL sprain. Um, didn't shoot the ball as well as I think uh, a lot of people expected him to. What's your letter grade on Kelly Olenek? Yeah, I had a hard time with this one, Laz. Um, you know, injuries and COVID really disrupted Kelly's season. He didn't play a lot mm-hmm. as a result of all that, as you already stated. Um, but to me, I'm, I'm sort of grading Kelly in comparison to Marvin Bagley, which I'll explain a little bit. Um, I looked at Kelly as kind of a placeholder for, you know, what does it look like for Cade Cunningham to have a, a, a pick and pop stretch big, right? And uh, to me, that is much less effective than Cade Cunningham with a vertical lob threat big man, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. So... Kelly's grade is as much about his archetype as his play. I, I just don't think that his archetype is, is all that necessary right now. You know, when he played and when he was healthy, he was fine. Like he did good things. He, he is particularly good at facilitating the offense for a big man, but you mentioned his shooting um, not being where we would have wanted it to be that impacted, you know, his ability to, to impact the offense in a significant way. So for me, he's a B minus, it's harsh. I realize that, but I, I just don't think he was a very impactful player this season. Um, I hope Troy Weaver is is exploring the trade market for him if there is one. I think a, a healthy Kelly can be a useful bench piece for a lot of teams. Um, I don't know. I just don't know if I want to. I want to see him around on the Pistons for another season. Unfortunately, it's interesting to me that you thought you were being mean with a B minus, and I'm going to give him a C, and I think I'm being nice. <laughs> Like he he was the the big off season addition like for this Pistons team, um, 
you know, they, they traded Mason Plumley essentially for him. Um, and he is a stretch big who ends up not stretching the floor. It's like, I feel like that's really disappointing. We, you talked about the comparison with Marvin Bagley operating as a lob threat. It's like, I, I don't feel like we got to see what Kate Cunningham looks like with uh, a perimeter player or like a perimeter big because, you know, Trey Lyle shot 30% from three and Kelly Olenek shot 34% from three. Or thirty-three and a half percent from three, not even thirty-four percent. It's just the there was supposed to be more spacing around Cade, and he didn't provide that. Like I, I did like the facilitation. Um, I did like the the ability to to grab and go, which was, was a little surprising. I think that's a uh, an underexplored area of Kelly Olynyk's game um, moving forward. Um, I would like to see him healthy. I would like to see the. I would enjoy seeing the version of Kelly Olenek that shot 38% from three instead of 36 or 33% from three. I would, I would like to see that player play next to Cade, right? I just don't know if we're going to, if they're going to be impatient and we're going to ever see that happen. Um, I will say that it's like with, with Jeremy is like, I mentioned the injury, not really his fault, like the thumb injury, like Kelly is like between the injuries and COVID. Like I don't want to blame him for COVID, but like spreading his MCL in the way he did on a, uh, like an off-ball screen, just kind of sticking his leg out. It's like that is the, like that is the type of stuff Kelly Olynyk is known for doing, and he's known for injuring other guys. And it was only, uh, you know, and the, like this time he injured himself. It's like if you if you didn't do stuff like that, like you you would have had a better season, right? And so, um, I don't want I'm not I don't want to blame Kelly for his injury just to say that um, you know the that injury could have easily been avoided, um, for sure and maybe would have had a maybe he would have had a bigger impact on the team this season if that uh if that injury like wouldn't have happened well and you mentioned the trade for Plumley. like i was not a huge Plumley fan and was glad when the pistons moved him but wouldn't Plumley have been an interesting starting center next to cade this season i mean he always surprised me with his ability to get up and finish lobs like it it's just kind of an unfortunate unfolding of events that weaver obviously couldn't have predicted when he traded Plumley. Yeah. And I, and I don't think Plumley has been particularly like a, a particular bright spot for the Hornets this year. And so like, maybe it's just, it's just a wash, but yeah, it's, that would have been a, uh, that's an interesting counterfactual for sure. Ben. I've right, been uh, Josh Jackson's ghost, uh, Detroit legend, Josh Jackson's ghost. What grade do you have for him? Uh, yeah. I, I'm going to say C minus for Josh. He, he just, didn't figure out how to be an efficient scorer. Lots of fun defensively, though. I mean, he had some of those chase down blocks that we're going to remember. I think he won a spot in a lot of the the fans' hearts, given his story, his heritage, where he came from, all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was absolutely the right thing to do to to trade him. That ended up being a fantastic trade for the Pistons. Yeah, and yeah, unfortunately, I, I just don't think Josh's offense maybe never going to be good enough to justify significant minutes in a rotation especially you know the three-point shooting just really hot and cold and very inconsistent so for me i wish you the best josh but you know unfortunately c minus for me for this season no i think i think that's fair um it's it's an interesting contrast of uh reclamation a high lottery pick reclamation projects between josh jackson and marvin bagley uh you know josh is obviously like older um than Bagley is, but you also like see, you know, what a, what a higher skill level and a more clearly defined role can, can do for a guy. Um, I felt like, I felt like Josh is like the story of his career is that he's never been able to put all the talent he has together on a consistent basis. And that was the case in Detroit this season. Um, I'm going to give him a C minus. I, there, there, there are some times like late in the season um, where I was like, I kind of, I kind of miss Josh. I kind of miss the, um, I miss the chase down blocks. I, I miss the uh, intensity that uh, he brought uh, and, and the energy he brought uh, on occasion to this Pistons team, but uh, ultimately like a, a replacement level player who was ultimately replaced. So I can't, can't be too mad at that. Um, and if, if, if uh, you know, We'll get the off-season workouts with him and Miles Bridges or whatever. It'll be fun. Um, but yeah, I, I can't say that uh, Josh like really, uh, really needs to stay one way or another in, in Detroit. 
Um, who's next? Oh, Saban. Saban Lee is up next. Saban Lee played 36 games for the Pistons. It, is, it didn't feel like that many, Ben. Um, oh my gosh, I I had the same reaction when I was looking at that. Uh, I feel like I've hardly seen him at all this season, but yeah, he's played like in 36 games and averaging 15 minutes a game. Like what? When did that happen? <laughs> and and he's he's played a lot of he's played a lot with the Motor City Crews this year as well, and so it's been a very a very busy year for Saban Lee. Uh, what what letter grade do you have from this year? Yeah, I wish it could be better, but unfortunately, it's a D from me. Um, there was, I, I think it was James Edwards the third who had That's tweeted out. D. What's that? That's our first D. Yeah, I wish it could be better because I like Saban. But uh, yeah, I think James Edwards III tweeted he's in consideration or a front runner for the G League MVP. That prompted me to go look up previous G League MVPs. And uh, oh, no. you're not going to recognize many of those names if you do it yourself, unfortunately. And, I, you know, like I think I think what that says is that if you're in the G League, the odds are stacked against you and you're going to have to be pretty incredible to make it out of the G League and uh, – find your spot in an NBA rotation. I think, you know, unfortunately for, for Saban, when Cade was drafted, right, you've got him or Killian, right? Like which one of these two young guys are you going to try to pair with Cade Cunningham? And it's pretty obvious to me, Killian has the much higher ceiling, right? I mean, I think Saban's base, best case scenario is fringe second guard, third point guard kind of guy, right? And I think the hope is that Killian's got more of a ceiling than that. So Killian got the nod and, and Saban spent most of the season in the G League. And look, I, I hope he does win the MVP for the G League. That would be a fantastic award for him. Um, but I, I just don't think he really got it done this season for the Pistons. He's he's not a good enough shooter to play off the ball next to Cade. You know, Corey Joseph was just significantly better at that. And he doesn't have the ceiling of Killian Hayes. So he was the odd man out most of the time. And uh, yeah, I, I, you know, look particularly at his three point shooting this year, 23%. That's just not going to get anywhere close to getting it done, unfortunately. Uh, so I got to be hard on Saban and, and give him a, give him the solid D, unfortunately. I'm going to give Saban a C minus minus. I, I don't, I feel like a D is too harsh, but he did not play well enough to grade out much better than that so i'm just i'm just being nice because i like saving but uh yeah the the shooting improvements that we thought we were seeing from him early in the year were really intriguing when he was lighting up the g league um at the beginning of the season shooting like 40 you know, from three on a diverse set of three-point shots like being able to shoot off the catch and off the bounce like that was really interesting that did not last and so uh that puts his his NBA future into into real doubt, um, and I've I've said this before, and it still kind of remains true to me at least. It's like if without the threat of a consistent three point shot, Saban just seems like a, a like a quadruple A like player, right? Like too good for the G League, probably not good enough for the NBA. So he's just kind of stuck in the middle. There's a, there's a good chance Saban makes a huge amount of money overseas in like two years. Um, but for now, I think he was a disappointment uh, as a piston, as a as a cruiser, as a Motor City Cruise, though, like, oh, a plus, like excellent, like awesome. But, uh, you know, this is not the Motor City Cruise podcast. This is the Detroit. <laughs> well, in his athleticism, too, I think you mentioned it. He would shine overseas. I, I think his frame, his length, his athleticism would make him particularly fun over there. And he stands to make a lot more money doing that. I think you're right. Yeah. All right, Ben. With 31 games, games played. Your guy, Luca Garza. <laughs> it's funny how he became my guy. Um, I was pulling for him. I wish I could give him a better grade. I wish he would have come out and dominated the glass and scored the ball really, really efficiently. That, in my opinion, his only way to justify his defensive limitations was to be, you know, a dominant rebounder and an absolute bucket getter. Um, surprisingly, like his scoring efficiency, 54% true shooting percentage, better than Sadiq Bey's, obviously very different roles, but that surprised me. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, as much as he's a likable dude, as much as he's a great teammate and cheerleader on the bench, as much as his underdog story was interesting to me, unfortunately, he just didn't cut it. Um, he is my other D on this team. Um, I just don't think he's going to make it as an NBA big. I think that the athletic and physical limitations are, are just going to be too much to surpass defensively. 
you know, even if he's shooting the ball somewhat efficiently and doing a decent job on the glass, um, there's just so much that, Laz, you've pointed this out numerous times, his teammates have to cover for defensively. Uh, yeah, so so Luca gets a D from me, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm going to give Luca a, a D grade as well. Um, the, the thing, like, I knew he would be bad defensively, and so him being bad defensively and his teammates having to scramble to cover for him defensively is not a surprise for me. Um, after shooting, I think 40% from three in college, it's like I was hoping he would be able to to weaponize the perimeter game um, and be, you know, be able to contribute that way. That ended up not really happening. He shot 33% from three. Um, it's just, yeah. And if he's not going to be a threat from the perimeter like he was uh, in college, it's like no one is going to let him, you know, post touch 20 times a game and, and score like 14 points that way. Uh, and so I, he's just not an NBA player. Um, and he's, I don't even know if he's like a quadruple A NBA player like like Saban is. Uh, he might just like not even be like, he's, he was a good, not great G League player. Um, and so I like, I, it's like, I, I, I honestly like don't know uh, what, uh, what Luca Garza, what Luca Garza's future uh, looks like. But, uh, but I, you know, I enjoyed having him on the team. All those moments where, uh, uh, you know, he he knocked down a three, and like everyone in the building would be like, "Oh yeah, like it's it's, it's happening, it's happening." Um, the he had like a, it was one game where he had like a bloody lip, and he was playing. And it was like you love the energy and intensity he brings for sure. The fans the fans loved that and were very attracted to it. But it's like he just needed to be a better player than uh, than what he was, and he just wasn't. So uh, that's not fun, but it, it's it's where we're at. All right, Ben Marvin Bagley the third. Marvin Bagley the third, the the surprise of the season. Wow. Um, so I'm going to give Bagley a B plus, um, and the reason it's not higher is because I feel like his his interest in defense is just not there. But um, look, I've been saying all season, let's not worry too much about the defense. Let's get some guys who can score the ball and open up the offense. And I think Bagley did that. Um, the fun factor of watching him finish lobs added a tremendous amount to the second half of the season. Um, giving, you know, Cade Cunningham that sort of outlet was the shot in the arm that the season needed for me. I think the season was starting to feel close to irredeemable. And then after this trade and the combination of other things we've already talked about, um, you know, certainly made the, the second part of the season a whole lot more interesting than the first. And I, look, to me, as long as he is willing to embrace this role of playing off of Cade Cunningham as a secondary guy and not trying to score a whole bunch on his own, I'm a fan of keeping him around, right? Um, I think the goal will be you get him a little bit more interested in defense after a, an offseason with Dwayne Casey. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I was very pleased. I was pleasantly surprised uh, with Marvin Bagley. Um, B-plus for me feels fair Laz. i don't know tell me tell me if i'm crazy no you're not crazy i was gonna give him a b plus as well it's like i was i was debating on whether or not to give him the a but i think you're right in that uh the the defensive uh issues lack of attention i i don't know how to categorize this defensive uh play but it, it wasn't great at times uh but yeah just the the versatility and uh, what he offered the Pistons was just like something that was sorely needed. Uh, he came in and talked openly about how he was uh, like happy to escape the pressures of like being a lottery pick and, and a high draft pick and a guy who was supposed to deliver a moribund franchise and didn't. Um, and I think that like you could really see that in his play when he first got here. Um, he was just... He was super happy to just catch lobs and like do fun stuff with Cade. I think as as he got more comfortable, I don't know if it was him or the coaching staff, they gave him a little bit more license to be a perimeter player. I did not love that experimentation. I hope they shut that down in the future and just let Marvin shoot 60% from two like mm -hmm. he can. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think he... It's like what they brought him in to do, he exceeded my expectations... Uh, even at that point, like 14 and seven off the bench like that, that, that guy can stick in the NBA. Absolutely. And he's still, he's still only 22. Like he's got a chance to, to, to develop and be more and, uh, and clean himself up defensively as well. And so like, yeah, I think a B plus is totally fair, Ben. 
Uh, next up, Isaiah Livers. Is Isaiah Livers your guy? Can Isaiah Livers be my guy? <laughs> I, I think I like him being your guy more than I like him being my guy, to be perfectly okay. honest with you. But he's going to get the Homer A from a Ben Gulker, Michigan Wolverines fan. I love the story that Isaiah Livers had. You know, he he missed the end of his final season in college in a heartbreaking fashion translated into missing a good chunk of the regular season this season. But man, when he entered the rotation, he was surely ready. Um, Here's a surprise. 59% true shooting percentage leads the Pistons, which blew me away when I looked at the end of season numbers, largely due to just being very selective and choosy and just taking shots that he's good at taking. Um, 40% plus from deep, obviously another plus. And I think just sort of, you know, coming out of Michigan system, very savvy, very um, knowledgeable about the game, knows what his limitations are and plays within them. Uh, I was very pleased with what we saw from Isaiah Livers. I think he's probably pretty close to a finished product. I don't think there's a super high ceiling there. But I think if you've got a guy who can shoot 40% from three, avoid making mistakes, play within your system, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, you've got at least a useful rotation guy there. And look, to get that out of a, a second round pick the way Weaver did, I think that's a big win. Um, you know, I don't think Livers is a franchise altering sort of player, but he's a, he's a lot of fun to cheer for, especially for me. Followed his college career closely. Again, that Homer A, that's, that's what he's getting from me, Laz. Yeah, I think Livers is going to be your guy because I can't give him an A. <laughs> <laughs> But I will I will give him the B though I'll give him a very high B uh, not a B plus but a B um, as as someone who did not follow his college career as closely as you did obviously I was uh, I wasn't surprised that he was uh, the shooter that he was advertised to be I think that was the the big draw uh, of of a guy like Isaiah Livers I was surprised at how well he did everything else I was surprised at how well he moves the ball I was how surprised at how well he played within himself. Um, I was surprised at um, his uh, his ability to like attack and recover on, on defense. Um, so I think it's like I think he's a ready-made role player. Uh, you're right. It's just it's like having a guy who actually shoots the ball well and uh, like doesn't suck on defense is like a revelation somehow for for the Detroit Pistons. Um, I do I do wonder about the ceiling. Um, it's like he, he he's not an amazing ball handler at this point. You could see in uh, in the game against Milwaukee. What, Friday is like there was one possession where he was uh, he was dribbling into Giannis and you can kind of see the like exclamation point mark like come above his head be like oh I, <laughs> I can't do this <laughs> it's like this is bad uh, and so you you, you know he's probably not going to be a starter or anything in the NBA but like like you mentioned like as a as a rotation player that you pick up with the forty first pick it's like that's a that's an excellent call by Troy Weaver um, and you know they're kind of, they're in in a weird way they're fortunate that he was injured to finish his college career because had he not been injured, he probably would not have been available at 41 and he wouldn't be a piston right now. And so, yeah, as a, I'm, I'm pleased with what we got from Isaiah livers this season. All right, Ben rapid fire. Jamarco Pickett. D Cassius Stanley. Who? <laughs> sorry. Old joke. Uh, D sorry. D again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had, I had higher hopes for Cassius Stanley uh, liked him at Duke. I think that's, I think, yeah, a D is fair. Oh, and Jamarco Pickett also gets a D. Jamarco Pickett, 24 years old. Yeah. Like, I think I think uh, that two-way spot can be replaced with someone a little bit younger and a little bit higher upside for sure. Yep. Yep. Uh, man of the last two weeks, Braxton Key. Yeah, Les, I don't know what to make of this one. Um, he doesn't feel like a D in the way that Pickett is a D, so maybe mm-hmm. he's a D plus. I don't know. Not Not blown away or anything, but. You know, he made some shots, I guess. He seems solid, but he's all, but then you like look at his line and yeah. he's not very good. Yeah. And so it's just like maybe he's just uh maybe he's just a looter in a riot at the end of the season, just doing what he can. Um, and that's not gonna actually translate to anything in the future. Um it it is interesting or not interesting, but um having a six eight guy who can move that well is definitely intriguing. But he is also twenty four, and so it's like I don't know if you have the time to try and like excavate that diamond. Uh, I give him like a C minus. Uh, I, I, I think he's played himself out of like the Jamarco Pickett, Cassius Stanley D level. And then last but not least, or maybe actually no, last but least, Justin Robinson. Yeah, sorry, Justin. I I gotta go with the the D as well. Yeah. Sorry, Justin Robinson shot 
a lot of shots for a guy who was uh, just supposed to like bring the ball up and like not do much else. He, he <laughs> shot. He shot a lot. He <laughs> did. He did a lot. That's the, the defining thing I'm gonna remember about uh, about him, Ben. That's a long time. That's a lot of grades. There's a lot of dudes. That's a lot of players, man. That's a lot of players. We didn't even talk about again. We didn't even talk about like Carson Edwards or uh, you know Derek Walton. I, I enjoyed watching Derek Walton more than anybody any of the last like five guys we just listed. Yeah, so, I agree. And so yeah, it's a, a little bit of a shame that we didn't even get to to mention him. But yeah, uh, that's that's it. Uh, the Pistons play the Sixers later today. If they lose that game, I believe they have the third best lottery odds uh in the in the nba draft locked in very excited for that uh who's going to be your playoff team ben oh man that's a good question so uh, out west people are going to hate this but i love watching the warriors play when they're playing well steph is unlike anything i've ever seen play basketball he has revolutionized the game and he's still doing it as old as he is so i'm going to be i'm going to be pulling for the warriors out west uh, in the East, I, I would love to see uh, Milwaukee repeat. I, I really enjoy watching Milwaukee play. I love the career arc and story of Giannis Antetokounmpo. He is a dominant player. And my goodness, Laz, if, if he can shoot the ball, right? Like if he can shoot the ball consistently over the last few years of his career, he, he might make the Bucks a real contender for three, four, five more years. So I'm pulling for the Bucks in the East. So the Bucks and Warriors, honorable mention is Phoenix. Fantastic regular season. We'll see if they can get it done in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, I'm pulling for Memphis. I, Ooh, yeah. I yeah. really love the story of Memphis mm-hmm. as a team who's going, who might go from the eight seed fighting in the play in tournament versus the Warriors only to get kind of punked by the, the Utah jazz of all teams. Remember when the Utah jazz used to punk people? That was, that was a fun time <laughs> uh, to conference finals contender, young juggernaut uh, does not care that they are crashing the party like two, three years too early. Um, and it's like, that is a type of ascension you hope the Pistons have in like a year and a half. Right. Is this. And so I'm, I'm, Partially, like because of that mirror, the the way that they mirrored um, the the Memphis Grizzlies, I'm, I'm I end up like pulling from them. In the East, it's like it's weird that Milwaukee is like the good guy in the East after they've tortured us uh, so many times uh, as Pistons fans. Mm-hmm. But it's like, like, can I root for the Sixers? It's like, not really. No, <laughs> no you can't. Root for this. It's like, can I can I root for Boston? It's no. like, not really. Can I root for Miami? It's like, I, my Miami does some weird stuff. But like I don't, I don't trust that half court offense in, in the playoffs. It's like, do I want to root for Brooklyn? Like, not, not really. Like Kevin Durant's fun to watch, but like anybody can score 150 points on them. Yeah. So it's like it, it's looking like it's going to be Milwaukee, and that's going to be a, a very entertaining series. Man, a a Milwaukee Memphis NBA Finals. That can would you be, imagine? That would be a sight. I think Adam Silver would uh, would lose some of the precious few hairs he has remaining on the top of his head at the ratings for that Finals. But well, I feel like it's going to be a super interesting playoffs just across the board i mean like we'll see what happens at the bottom of the east right that that's interesting very true um but i feel like the the two seven three six four five matchups in the east like i have no idea what's going to happen in any of those I, I feel like they'll all be interesting and i wouldn't last i wouldn't even have been mad if you said you were pulling for the bulls because um you know bulls are heretical for the old school pistons fans <laughs> like me but uh look they've had a super interesting season DeRozan has a really compelling story so there's there's interesting stuff happening there too so i i don't know i'm really looking forward to these playoffs i think it's going to be a lot of fun the bulls have stopped pulling for the bulls <laughs> that's that's fair <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't, I don't know if i can do that but yeah they, they have had a very interesting season they had a very interesting roster construction mm-hmm. deciding to go all in on guard defense is a is like a very interesting strategy for the nba in 2022 um unfortunate for them it didn't work out with uh with all the injuries and uh, everything happening at all at once but yeah be uh, very curious to see so ben uh that's this week's podcast next podcast will be all about the draft get your draft stuff ready i got the uh my first official big board dropping tomorrow today when you listen to this uh later in the day is i'm i'm excited to watch a whole bunch of film about uh about these like other 20 year olds and how they're going to impact our team fearless leader sean corp put together uh a whole bunch of video for uh 
each of the individual like writers of Detroit Bad Boys to to bone up on uh, some of the top prospects in the draft. I'm very curious to see what's going to come out of that. Um, or curious and excited to see what's going to come out of that. Looking forward to that. Um, so Ben, let the people know where they can find you and where they can talk about the draft with uh, with you moving forward. Well, yeah, come educate me on the draft. Shout out to Sean, as you just mentioned, that piece of work he put together was a labor of love uh, for all of the writers and then everyone who, who participates in the community at Detroit Bad Boys. Sean deserves a great shout out for that. On Twitter at BR Golker, good basketball happening, Laz. I'm looking forward to it. Me too, Ben. Me too. Of course, you talk about the good basketball with me. Uh, on Twitter at last chance. That's at L A Z C H A N C E. Uh, this has been the Detroit bad boys podcast. Thank you all for listening. And uh, with the off season, I don't know. We might go bi-weekly. We might, we'll play it by ear, but you, you will hear from us in the not too distant future. Believe you me. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.